Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi Mila. Hello. Welcome to episode 49, A Herald of a New Age Movement. The synopsis for this episode is the discovery of a shrine in the woods unearths a haunting secret from Camelot's past. This is an interesting little episode because so many reasons actually. It's very focused on a on a minor character. We haven't really done that. It's not like we ever really followed Sir Leon around for a day or anything. It doesn't give up the secret the whole episode. Like you don't really know what this is about until the end. Arthur just seems weird the whole episode. Arthur is weird the whole episode and I I was like there is there's something, but I don't know what it is. And you can if you if you paid attention to and if you remember the kids that showed up earlier in previous episodes to Uther, you can guess that it's related to that, but you don't really, really know until the very end. There's a bit of a trick because it's the episode after he banishes Gwen. So yes. you could easily think, I mean, Merlin thinks that everyone thinks it's Gwen. Everyone thinks Gwen is the reason for Elian acting weird and Arthur too. And it's that's why it's kind of a curveball because we've left the Gwen thing behind kind of, but not really. It's very fresh on their minds, but we're not addressing Gwen this episode. Right. And it's also a slow burn, this episode. It is. I'm also, I get confused why these days, in this last few episodes, this one and the past one, Gaius is like, eh, it is what it is. He's very like, I'm, I'm too old for this shit at this point. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, his advice towards the end is like, you're just going to have to kill him. Because <laughs> he can't be like, Merlin's going to have to use his magic. <laughs> about it's intriguing to me this episode because of a lot of decisions that were made yeah i mean i love that at the end i think we get a very big promise from arthur that means something for the future i mean the title is like this is a new day we do get a very big promise and i can't spoil anything but now this is something we have to address at the end because this episode is supposed to be like a turning point it feels like so do things turn? That's so that's what I'm expecting because that's how I felt. Hopefully, I am correct. Do you leave this episode feeling like the reveal of Merlin's magic to Arthur is close? No, I do not. That's interesting because they're kind of opening the door to Arthur treating druids fairly. Right. He's recently been told that the sorcerer didn't kill his dad. We're laying a lot of groundwork towards what should be Arthur's acceptance of magic, right? Yes, but somehow, at least for me, this, his acceptance of magic was something that was separate from him finding out that Merlin has magic. If those two things can be separated ever. It's interesting that you see them as separate because I would think his acceptance of magic would actually come through his love of Merlin and finding out that Merlin is magic. The idea that Merlin is good. Merlin has magic. Therefore, magic can't be all bad. Right. I still have no idea and I have no guesses. Usually I'm able to guess a few things, but I have no guesses for this one for how he's going to find out that Merlin has magic. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to have to save him 
of a very terrible thing, like using magic, and then you're going to have to see it. But that's my could be my only guess, but maybe they're going another way. I'm not sure. I mean, that would be on par with what happens in the show a lot. Yes. And also, like, we came very close to that happening with Gwen two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guessing how he finds out, but I do wonder about your thoughts on whether it's coming or not, whether you feel like it's any closer. We're just way back where we started anyway. I mean, look, no, I think he has to be because, you know, there's only one more season for this. And I do believe that he's going to find out before the last season ends. So, yes, I think so. Because this show wants to torture me because even though you've seen almost the entire first four seasons of a five season show, I still can't have the larger conversations about all of this. Moving on to less important topics. Last week, you asked me if this was a one-off throwaway episode. And it's funny because, like, does it advance any of our main plots? Not really. But it's such a huge Arthur moment that it's not a throwaway episode. Yes, it's really big. And it tricks you because, to me at least, they remembered Uther. The whole episode was about Uther. It is and it isn't, you know? It's more about Arthur than it is about Uther. In that, I couldn't, I didn't see coming. No, I think it's pretty surprising, actually. So this all starts off with our boys, fittingly so, being a bunch of 12-year-olds, playing keep away. Let me tell you that the whole fault of this is the knight's fault, because they didn't give Elian the freaking water, and he had to go and drink it from the well. So let me tell you that this is their fault from the beginning. This prankish behavior is actually starting to cause problems. Seriously. Yeah, it's starting to cause problems. They make it over to the shrine and Merlin is properly freaked out. Not just because, oh, guys, told me about these things. I think it's pretty clear in the scene itself from Colin's acting that he feels something. Yes. His magic spidey sense is going off and he's like, this is not good. We shouldn't be here. Definitely. I'm not sure that a casual watcher would really notice that Arthur is pretty freaked out. He really is. He's weirded out about the place. And at the beginning, I just thought that he was believing Merlin. I just thought, wow, for <laughs> this is a first. He's actually listening to what Merlin is saying. But that continues throughout the episode. Yeah. So this is the definitely the beginning of it. It's like now looking back at this beginning, it's like he recognizes the place, which he does. Yeah, it takes him a minute because he's like, oh, what's over there? And then by the time Merlin's talking, he's like, oh, no, it's very clear to him where this is. Right. Because the camera's on him for a few seconds. It's not really super obvious. They don't stay on Arthur. And you could just almost dismiss it as being freaked out by what Merlin is saying and not even connect it to his later behavior. Right. Because who wouldn't be moody? They just got cheated on and banished the love of their life. You know, you're not in the greatest mood of your life. Yeah. So back in the armory, Arthur's in a bitchy mood. So it does continue right away. And I'm just like, yay, bitchy Arthur. <laughs> love when he shows up. I know. I'm like, oh, you're back. <laughs> awesome. Gwen does his little explanation about the salt. Look, I'm going to get into it now. How <laughs> wrong. Let me just say right away. It's wrong. If you're not into the occult, okay, maybe you're just into fantasy genre stuff. You've heard A Circle of Salt. If you've ever seen Hocus Pocus, which 
Let's talk about more required viewing for your life, not for this podcast and this show specifically, but required viewing for your experience as a human watching movies. Hocus Pocus, you know, one of the best Halloween movies out there. A circle of salt, not just a little circle at the edge of your bed, a circle of salt around you as to protect you from all the things outside of the circle. Also, a classic on Supernatural. Super classic on Supernatural. It appears a million times. That's how they protect themselves from ghosts and specifically spirits who are vengeful like this one. Well, yeah, in exactly not a tiny circle, just like literally a barrier of of salt around you. And these are not things writers came up with. This is like in the occult. Yes. In the following of witchcraft, it is one of the most used protective substances, salt. So, no, Gwen, stop teaching people things you don't know things about. I mean, you know, Gwen is very into saying things and even Gaius gets really annoyed at him at this point. I want to stop now and and really appreciate how many one-liners Gwen is able to deliver in this episode. It's a very Gwen episode as, as well. We get a lot of his opinions. A lot. I love it. People are like, enough. Enough, please. Well, because we don't get to see it much, and you have only heard it once or twice at this point, but it's always like a thing that gets mentioned by Arthur, especially. Like, Wayne never shuts up. Yeah. But we don't really hear him. No, it's nice to hear him. He never shuts up off camera. While the camera is on his face, he's pretty quiet most of the time. That's why it's nice that he delivers most of the lines from the knight's point of view, because, like, he's the one who talks. Right. At least we're told. Anyway, back home, we do history time with Gaius. So we know we're in for a haunting. If you're not sure at this point, you can be sure now. It's a tormented soul. You know, the ribbons are, if legs are warning, you shouldn't be there. You shouldn't disturb the shrine and all of that. Well, he's like, you sure no one disturbed anything? Like, how would he know that? <laughs> I don't control the knights. Have you seen them? Have you seen these people? Yeah, later, Merlin's like, are you serious? Merlin is like the babysitter of the knights. They're children, and they're uncontrollable. And they're children with weapons who can kill me. So, you know. I do what I can. I love Merlin saying, I have no intention of going back to that place. And for once, I'm not lying to you. I'm not lying to you. I have that line written down because I love it. This acceptance between them that he, Gaius knows he's always lying to him and he continues to lie to him. Like, just tell him then. But this whole scene, from here on, we're getting this this panning camera behind objects. So we've crossed over into that horror territory. Yes. Feeling creeped out. Even if you don't, you're not like us where you don't realize what's happening. It gives you that really creeped out feeling like someone's being watched. You're not at dinner with them. It's not that comforting feeling we usually get because it's someone's here. And you feel like you are the like spirit's point of view, right? Like creeping. Yeah, you're getting monster POV. Yes, exactly. Creeping behind the objects, kind of like gliding around. We get a quick flash of Arthur eating his dinner, being really pensive. We make it over to Elian, who... The entire episode, every time we're in this room, and I'm like, how big is his room? What are we doing here? Every night cannot have a room this big. You need 16,000 castles to house all these people. His room is enormous. And that's what I thought. I was like, your room is enormous. And you 
sleep alone. I was like, with a room this big, at least you put two or three nights in the same room, right? No. You know, I don't want to torture the listeners with my nitpicking, but it just, I couldn't help but notice it. And I was really interested as to why they didn't make it appear smaller. I think he, it was to give us that feeling of darkness and emptiness around you. Like, because I do feel like he's very small in a place in that's very big that you can't really defend yourself and you don't know where things are coming from. So I think that was accomplished. But yes, I agree. The room is enormous. I know. I like that idea that really it's about creating this empty, scary, dark space. Gwen comes in because he hears him getting a little upset because he's being haunted. This poor kid had to do this entire show dripping wet. Oh, my God. I was thinking about it the whole time. All that I was thinking is I hope that he wasn't cold in the set this day because this must be miserable. They have to drench you in water several times before you get on camera because he's literally dripping. He was dripping. I would like to say it probably wasn't because he's a kid. But let's be honest, Tommy Waugh did the commentary and the couple times he had to be soaking wet, he was freezing. Even during the fight scene with Arthur, he said even running around, he was freezing. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cold. And I don't know this. It's just very difficult, too, I feel like, because when you cut and when you have to just change the cameras, flip the scene and all of that, you won't leave the kid in wet clothes for like 16 hours in a day. You have to change, you have to dry, and then you have to get wet all over again every time. It's a logistical nightmare. But hey, you know, they've done it before. It Look, it worked and it looks really creepy. Yeah, no, the, the dripping sounds. It was really late when I was prepping this and when Elaine's alone, knowing that there's something there and being scared, my mother was in another part of the house and turned on a TV. So I just started hearing voices and it was really quiet because it was just Elian alone, like in a room. And I was like, Jesus. I was like, you're like, don't do this. Did you have worse timing? I was like, just he start hearing voices because I thought she was asleep. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, I don't like this. I mean, I am terrified of the dark oh. this is one of the things that i am the most afraid i'm one of those people that like watch horror movies and then like when i get into a room my hand goes into the room first and then i turn on the light and then my body walks into the room i don't really get scared by horror movies that much something like the fall the fall is the scariest thing i've ever seen in my life and that's because first of all when anyone casts adorable jamie dorden as uh, serial killer it's really upsetting because you want to like him it's that thing where you're like oh and then you're like oh damn it no <laughs> but no spoilers kids if you haven't seen the fall the way he creeps into women's houses before he does his deed and just hangs out in there it just like scarred me for a year you know as a woman living alone a lot of the time was just like scared to go into the rooms because i was like there could be a psycho killer just waiting for me in that room that's the stuff that scares me where i'm like mm. That creeps me out. And that's why it's not even just horror movies. I just don't like the dark because I don't know what's around me when it's dark. And as you know, we like to know. I like to know things. 
just in general. So, you know, if there's a monster or a spirit or a person, I want to know. So I'm going to turn on the light first and then I walk into the room after. I mean, in my ranking, I'd rather have a spirit than some serial killer in my house. I agree. I totally agree. I'm with you on that one. I'd rather see a ghost. Ghosts welcome uh, other people. Probably not. Anyway, look, Gwen runs in. He runs in and we get like a little breakdown of what happened at the tavern tonight. <laughs> It's nice to hear what their lives might be like when they're not running around the forest. It is. It sounds pretty fun and violent at the same time. Yeah. I would not arm wrestle Percival. I don't know what idiot did that, but... Yeah, I don't know what idiot did that. But yes, there's still a lot of panning. It's it's so unsettling. This whole thing is unsettling. In the morning, again, you get that shot of Arthur. It's very serious. He's very pensive and you don't see it going anywhere. And the writers and directors of Merlin are just masters of this, like giving you a little thing that you don't even acknowledge. It's a throwaway. And then it comes back later and it's hilarious. And Arthur is asleep with his face in his stew. <laughs> I love the way they play this against each other. The choices that Colin and Bradley made here are so funny. The way that Merlin is fucking with him because he can see <laughs> what's happened. <laughs> he's like, oh, what were you reading? And Bradley's face when he's looking around for anything. <laughs> There's nothing that you could even read around. Which is funny because his desk is always covered in papers. That's true. I love it. There's a classic answer like, I'm the king. I don't need to tell you. I don't need to answer to you. Right, exactly. I love that Merlin, th this is the thing that I love about how Colin played it. I love the idea that Merlin laughs at his own jokes because I'm someone who laughs at their own jokes. I am too. I entertain myself all the time. I mean, this episode really stood out for me in the way that it made me realize how much my personality is how they've written this character. For better or worse, he's flawed, and so am I. Exactly. Everyone is. Yeah, we all are, but I'm flawed the way Merlin's flawed, so there you go. <laughs> it's really, when you recognize yourself in a character, and you spend time making a podcast and talking about all the ways this character is a mess, I'm like, nah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I, I there, there it is. There it is. This is why I identify with this character. Also classic, classic Merlin stuff from these writers. Arthur sends him to get his breakfast and then moves a plate, checks himself out in the other plate below, the same way he was checking himself out in the forest. And I love the way he screams Merlin and it actually cuts to the next scene while he's still screaming. It is very good. It's so good. We go to training and Arthur, I love that Arthur still has stew in his hair. Merlin didn't fix it. I know. Merlin didn't fix it. And you are a grown man. You're the king now. You're not going to wash it. You're not going to wash it off. You wash your face and you don't wash your hair. Like, how does that make any sense? It was a lot, but it's kind of that idea of like you missed a spot. Like, you know, when you live with someone and they just put face cream on and they walk by and you're like, you missed a spot. Yes. Right. Yes. That kind of idea. It was a lot, but it, it, I do get it. And I love that. Merlin takes the chance to basically mock him in front of everybody. So now the knights are just like kind of laughing it up about Arthur. And Arthur, of course, punishes Merlin by just making him go on to shield duty. They're just going to use him as a target for their swords. Well, because they're like, you have stew in your hair. Why do you have stew in your hair? Because he was reading. I'm like, those two things are not related. 
What's happening there is that Merlin is trying to punish Arthur for not being upfront with him. It's like, if you're going to not talk to me about stuff, that I'm going to purposefully mess with you in front of everybody. Right. He's just like, oh, well, that's what he told me. So like, right? Does that make sense to you all? Because it didn't to me. And also he knew he was already, he knew that he was already in training and he was already going to get beat up because Arthur was already annoyed at him before. Probably. The chances were pretty high. Of course, this is when Elian, Elian snaps and Arthur kind of has to save Merlin from him. Here's the thing I love about this scene, though. The knights are all really used to the relationship between Merlin and Arthur. They're just kind of like annoyed with each other. And they're all just like, yep, this makes sense. <laughs> yes. And we're just going to go along because that's just what you do. I especially always love Rupert's reactions as Sir Leon. So we go back to the armory again. I love that we use the armory like seven times in this episode. So smart. Yes. The art department decorated it. So now we're using it. And we all know that it's Arthur's room. Jeremy Webb said, like, don't look too closely, but it's Arthur's room. I'm like, I think we already figured that one out. Um, I think we commented on that already. This is when Wayne knocks him out because he's like, <laughs> I like the concussion count on this episode. <laughs> I've now decided another rule for Camelot. Concussions don't exist because half these guys would be dead already. Yes, that is true. Poor Alien gets punched a lot in this episode. I mean... He was shoving Gwaine a lot. He was. And Gwaine just said he wants a real battle. Like, he's just hungry to fight. He just wants to go to the tavern and fight. And he's like, I'm sick of training. I want a real fight. And then you start pushing him around. And then when he punches him, people look at him like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, well, I don't know. I just said. <laughs> I do love this shot of Elian seeing the ghost that it's played between... Percival and Leon having a chat that you can't hear. Yes. Which I think must have been easy to look so natural because they didn't care about the audio. So they let them talk. Right. Right. Because we've talked about how not that being a, a background actor is hard, but it can be hard to be really natural talking when you're being silent. Oh, it's so hard. Because you over gesture, you over like articulate your mouth. Yes. I feel like they look so natural that I'm like, they were definitely really talking because the audio didn't matter. They were probably talking in also, or maybe they were just talking like in hushed, just like a little bit, just yeah. a little bit of voice because you can kind of hear it. Yeah, like yeah. All. You're like kind of hearing the sound a little bit. It's kind of weird, distorted sound because you're hearing a lot of dripping. Right. So Gaius goes to treat Elian, who uh, has come to and is catatonic. Doesn't even blink. No. And Tamiwa did mention... That, like, he could do it, but on the day, he just was having a really hard time not blinking. I know I cannot blink when I zone out, but when I try to do it on purpose, it is really hard. It's really hard. I know that I can stay without blinking. At some point, if I just hold it for too long, then at some point I start crying <laughs> because my eyes just water because they're trying to, like, lubricate without blinking. So it's just what happens. Seriously, it's... It's awful. I hate doing it. I Every time an actor does it, I'm like, my eyes are burning. This is when you get guys really annoyed with Gwen. He's like, Gwen, when I want your medical opinion, I'll ask you for it. I love it. So sassy. Love it. <laughs> sassy guys. This is where guys discovers assault. This whole episode is like 80% set up and you don't even realize it because like you think it's a story about Elian being haunted. Yeah. And I just feel 
I mean, I don't feel like this episode is slow, but I just feel that the story just crawls forward. Like it's scene after scene after scene that we don't have a lot of information. And I'm like, what is going on? That is very slow as a story. Yes. There's a lot of these little scenes and now Gwen and Leon start with please don't tell Arthur because the Gwen thing has made things weird. Elian's been upset about it. So this is the additional thing in the episode where we start to have this kind of like ghost storyline of like, it's all about Gwen. Yes. And they introduced this idea because until this point, we are not thinking that. We know that there's a shrine. We know that there's a spirit. And then at this point is introduced how the other people in the castle are perceiving his behavior. It's not been normal for a while. We're just kind of getting the hint that it's been weird lately without Gwen. This continues because we go we go to Arthur's room where Merlin's trying to like joke with him. And Arthur's not even being mean at first. He's just very like, I'm not joking. Like cut it out. Yes. Yeah. Merlin says, is this about Gwen? Which only makes Arthur angrier. And then he gets very like, you can go now. Get out. Just Leave. Leave my sight right now. Oh, great. Classic angry Arthur is back. Yeah. Because this whole, you talked about backslides last week. This episode is a, a, a genuine backslide where I can feel Arthur backsliding into some old behaviors, but in a believable way, not in like, we've forgotten who Arthur is. Yes. Yes. Because here I can see that it's not I don't feel like he's doing to be mean. I feel that there's some internal thing happening that he's like, just today, I can't do this. I just need time for myself. Yeah. And that I understand. That I understand. I understand that. But it does lead to an entire almost episode of Arthur backsliding until I'm going through something and I have no friends. Yes. Which he eventually gets over. But really, like, there's a repetitiveness of, like, this behavior of what happens when something bad happens to you. Do you, you let people in to help you or do you push people away? And right. it feels like a very genuine backslide of like Gwen's gone. He's already in a mood. And then this happens and he really just can't. Yeah. He, he can't get a grip of everything he's learned for most of the episode. And also because I think that he was, start to, he was starting to open up to Gwen, to Merlin. And then that happened. And he's like, see... This is what happens when I open up to somebody, they betray me. So now I'm just going to close myself off again and just do it myself because it's just easier when I'm alone. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You're just like, nope, see, not worth it. In fact, like that's a totally human thing where Merlin goes home now. And what does he say when he gets home? I'm done with Arthur. I'm like, okay, you lying liar. No, you're not. But like, stop lying to yourself. But yeah, this like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like, it's not worth the pain of what happens when you're close to people <laughs> and they do stuff to you. Right, right. He's like, I'm done with this friendship because like, I don't want to be hurt anymore. He goes in and Gaius doesn't even answer him. He's like, oh, great. I'll just, never mind. No one cares that I'm here. Why do I even talk to anybody? <laughs> I know. I'm like, what a drama queen. Oh, my God, Merlin. He, you're really hurt. He really is. It's like really hard. It's like, yeah, whatever. Nobody cares. Just going on with my life. I'm just moving on alone as always. I was like, wow. Guys, like, listen, kid, we've got more important problems. I wasn't ignoring you. We don't have time for that. Nobody's got time for that. Someone's got time for your emotions today. 
like basically break down the whole alien's not okay he found the salt so it connects to merlin being like nope he thinks it's a spirit so this is bad this is a funny part to me i love that this show took something as staple as a ring of salt and instead of going with the trope which we usually do in this show gaius just totally bashes it into the ground he's like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard <laughs> what a bunch of crap that is so i was like wow he's he's mad about this he's like okay and i'm like all right i guess we instead of doing this trope we wanted to be like that's stupid all right basically the breakdown of this is aliens possessed merlin you have to make arthur believe it and merlin's like i uh didn't you just hear he's not talking to me? Like I said before, I am alone and nobody listens to me. So I'm just going to go on with my life. Seriously. He's like, I guess I just have to try. We also get the exposition here where Elian's ghost finally talks. He's like, kill the king. I'm like, here we go again. Of course it's kill the king. Again. Again. Different king, same story. <laughs> oh, you just summed up seasons four and five so perfectly. <laughs> Uh, if I could give seasons a title, that's what they would be. Great. Different king, same story. Merlin. Back at Arthur's room, Elian attacks and Arthur's like, guards. And I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. I'm like, nope. Nope. You're Haven't you learned? You haven't. Hilarious. Do you remember how your dad died? A lot of screaming for the guards. That was a, that was a good joke. That was a good joke, Arthur. Yeah, hilarious. I'm actually want to point something out at this point because I shit talked the costume department <laughs> dress last episode I think I don't know if it was because of Jeremy Webb directing I don't know what happened in this episode finally Arthur is in some normal freaking clothes <laughs> he is when he's inside he's nor in normal clothes I'm I was very glad that this episode I'm happy to see Arthur in normal clothes and I'm happy to see the knights in normal clothes like they might actually have a life outside of like wearing chainmail and throwing swords at each other <laughs> Wearing a cape. Wearing a very long cape that gets in the way all the time. I love the cape. You know how I feel about the cape. I just am really happy to be proven wrong this episode. I don't think it lasts. I think it will be proven right in the long term that there's too much chainmail happening. But I'm really happy in this episode because I'm like, yes, this is what they would look like at night. Correct. I have a bit of a kerfuffle with a sword and a, a stool. And the guards come. But of course, the guards let him get away. Like, they chase him out of the room, but I'm like, what cuts to the next scene? Oh, yay. It's a hallway scene with Agravane. I'm like, oh, I thought we were going to get the whole oh, episode uh, without him. On top of everything, you're here? Of course you're here. Yeah, we don't have the mental uh, bandwidth for this. To have him show up to tell all the knights to go hunt him down and kill him. I'm like, please don't. But that's what the knights do. At least it seems like they are trying to help. Yeah, obviously, because they know that if they get before, if they get to Elian before Agravain, it will be better. Because at least it's your friends who are hunting you down. Hundred percent. Because this, while they're instructed to do this, Merlin does try. He runs to Arthur's room. He's like, "What happened?" And then he's like, "Look, Elian is possessed." To me, in this scene, it seems like Arthur isn't not listening to his advice. I feel like he's buffering. He's like. Okay. I felt like he wasn't buying it 100%, but he was considering it. That's how I felt. He wasn't dismissing it. Right. He's not like Uther who's like, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, is it? 
the whole stance you have is that magic exists. <laughs> That's like your whole thing. Is it? If magic didn't exist in the show and you said that, you'd be like, okay. That's a normal reaction to have. You're just like, that's ridiculous. I don't believe in those things. But I don't think he dismisses Merlin. He's just kind of like, hey, let's go find him. (laughs) Right. I don't think that he buys that idea 100%. But he stops and considers that could definitely be true. Yes. So they go off on the hunt and the boys are hunting through the hallways I love that Jeremy Webb brought this up because I brought it up during Lamia. And you know it's the same studio hallways that they've redressed. Look one way. Look another. Look another. It's like you'd be shocked that this is a very small stretch of hallway. We just light it differently, different angle for the camera. And you feel like it's a very long hallway in a lot of hallways. It's just one hallway they run over and over and over again through. Yeah, it's great. So as the boys are hunting, they're talking about how, like, of course this is about Gwen. This this continues, and it's really, I think, to make you, the viewer who doesn't know, believe that that's what Arthur's up to. We know Elian's possessed, but I think it's to reinforce that Arthur's being weird about Gwen. I see. In my head. It's less about, I can see that, that it's less about Elian, and it's more about Arthur's behavior to reinforce that about Gwen. I can see that. Just to throw you off the scent of like why Arthur is in an awful mood. Right, because I, and I think that that's important to bring it up because last episode we didn't talk about it at all. Yeah, and also you never see Arthur in a good mood. When the boys are playing around in the first opening scene, Arthur is just quietly by his horse. He's like amused by what they're doing, but he's not joining in. He's not, Yeah, doesn't seem like he's in a particularly jolly mood. So you could believe that it's just was like that before. One continuous thing. Yes. Except for Merlin asking if it's about Gwen, because even Merlin doesn't know. No one's saying like, oh, Arthur's being weird too. I do love, this is again, another great Gwen moment because they're like, what if Arthur banished your sister? And he's like, my sister's an old toad, so I'd be thankful. (laughs) Like, of course you would say that. I love all these little Gwen crumbs of, like, Gwen humor through this episode. Because you need something. It's pretty great. You do need something. You do. You do because it's very, feels very slow and dark. So you do need a little laugh here and there. Almost the entire episode happens at night. Yeah. So when they find him, I love this standoff between the night's because Percival's the one that delivers a line, which is absolutely ridiculous. He's like, let's put our weapons away. And I'm like, what are you going to do with your arms, though? <laughs> like, You usually don't even use a sword. How do you put your arms away? I love it because I laughed a lot in this scene because it feels like Percival smacks Elliot. It's not like he punches him. It's an open hand smack and he's like out. <laughs> I think he like backhands him. I'm not sure, but it's great. It's pretty great. It's not a punch. It's not a punch. It's an open hand smack. I also love the little moment we get with Gwen when he turns around and looks at them and Gwen's like, "Eh, well, yep. (laughs) What are you going to do? It is what it is. You did try to kill the king. Oops. So this is the second KO of the episode. So he gets thrown in the dungeon. Back in the council chambers. I love this scene because it feels to me like this is a battle for Arthur's soul, Agravain versus Merlin giving advice. It makes me think of Kronk again. Required viewing for your life, listeners, is Emperor's New Groove. And I will go down and say the best Disney movie. Don't don't at me. It's the best. Oh my God. You know that 
You know that my symbol on Disney Plus is Isma, right? I mean, Isma, there's so much good. If we could do an entire podcast about that that movie, if you want. Like, oh my God, it's perfect. There are a few movies that I consider to be perfect, objectively. There's nothing to change. And that is one of them. There's a scene with Kronk and he's got the angel and devil on his shoulder. It's like Agravane and Merlin are having this battle of morals over Arthur's soul in the council chambers. <laughs> And Arthur literally just wants to be alone. He's like, both of you leave. Please. Not even in a mean way. He's like, I can't listen to this anymore. I need to like decide things alone. <laughs> Please just go away. Stop talking. Everyone stop talking and go away. Which I can empathize with. And also, at this point, I don't understand what the battle is. Agravain's advice is always wrong. And Merlin has actually never steered Arthur in a wrong direction. Up to now. I have to agree with all of that. There's no way that I can say otherwise. Arthur does have the memory of a goldfish. So they leave him alone. Merlin goes back home to basically tell guys, like, I'm going to go break Elian out of the dungeon and then try to, like, exercise him. I just love this little tiny scene because of Richard Wilson's fake laugh. <laughs> That's, like, this is, for me, this is the beginning of... Guy is like being like, I'm just sorry. There's nothing we can do. I'm like, yes. He goes, what do we, what do you suppose we do, Merlin? And I'm like, you've dealt with things that were far more difficult than this situation, guys. Have, just think, think a little harder. I think you can find a solution. The same thing I always do. Uh, just like you use magic behind everyone's backs and fix it. Yes. You know, the usual. You know, the usual. Exactly. I just love that Merlin is being a smartass and that Richard Wilson executes that like, ha ha. <laughs> like, yeah, you're hilarious. Like, listen, smartass. I find you incredibly funny. Uh, so that night, Snoopy rescue exorcist Merles goes to the dungeons. I adore the scene of him getting rid of the guards, specifically because I don't know if it was Colin's decision and this was a B unit being directed by Alice, who's directed other things on this show. I don't know if it was Alice or Colin who made the decision that this should be played with the idea that Merlin's enjoying doing this. It's easy for him and it's fun. Like that's the vibe I get when he does this magic. I definitely get the fun vibe. Definitely. He's like, yep, this is fun. He like he laughs, he smiles. You can see him. So yeah, I definitely get that. So he breaks Elian out. Of course, like the bells ring, they get to the forest, and this time it's Merlin's turn for a KO. Poor thing. It's just the boy's like, don't drink that water. It's just no. I'm like, what would you know, ghost? Apparently he knows more than we do. <laughs> Seriously. Merlin and Gaius have to go investigate the shrine to get some answers. I love Gaius's walking stick. Well, because then Gaius is, Gaius is finally like, ugh, whatever, let's go to work. I know what to do. We have to go to the shrine to try to get more information. And I'm like, yes, you just said that there was nothing to be done. I was like, what happened? I do. Oh, my God. I'm I'm like almost angry at Colin Morgan for the feelings I have in this because he just stares into like a fake well. What is that even? The despair that I feel inside him is like I was listening to this, to the voices inside my own head. Amazing amazing it's really not fair <laughs> like him like rubbing his eyes and like rubbing his face trying to like get back to normal and like get rid of that feeling sensation the voices 
pit in my stomach. It's just too good. It's too good. It's unfair. Listeners aren't friends with me the way you are. What I say when I'm angry, I'm, it's equal parts jealousy because I want that talent. Oh, yeah. And equal parts like, stop making me feel this. Stop it. <laughs> it's like that anger that you, when you look at a person and be like, how can you be so good? Stop doing that. Just leave some for others. <laughs> you got an extra scoop of the talent when this one was getting made. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I feel a lot during that little, little moment. And it's important because I think we're going to find out what it means to Arthur. So to have seen what it feels like to have been there. Because Arthur doesn't let on anything until the end. Right. So we're back at council again. Arthur is still super pissy because Merlin disappeared for the night. I love how he's like, pull up a chair, tuck in. And Merlin's like, oh, that'd be great. Oh, you're joking. (laughs) It's just, you're messing with me. Great. Like, he clearly hurt himself. (laughs) His poor head. Poor Merlin is so desperate for food, he almost eats Arthur's table scraps. The poor kid. It's not really a scrap. It's like a whole chicken that's still on the plate, so I would eat it too. You know. He doesn't even get to, though, because he's like, oh, oops, a dead guard. He doesn't. He doesn't have the same way. The same way that he, he doesn't get to sleep, he doesn't get to eat either. So there's always a problem around the corner. I mean, he got to sleep in concussion mode, just like on the forest floor. <laughs> I mean. The only way Merlin gets a whole night's sleep is to get knocked out. <laughs> right. It's not my preferred way of sleeping, but you know, it works for him, I guess. I guess. But yeah, we're moving on to he doesn't eat now. <laughs> this is like the run, just like run back to Arthur. This is bad. And this is a brilliant moment. This scene of Arthur where, again, we're back to filming him from behind, just like creepy. And then the guards are getting knocked out, but you don't, it's daylight, but you don't see anything. It's so good. I didn't even understand how the guards were getting, like, there was just going down everywhere. It's like one, two, three. It's like, what is going on? And then you see this alien in in a bow and arrow. Yeah, but it's pretty great because you're just like, what? What happened? So many great shots here. Great fight scene. Poor Tamiwa is freezing doing this because at one point he's just soaking wet. Arthur finally gets the proof that Merlin's right because he talks in the kid's voice. Yes. I love that Merlin outside the door is like, F this and just blasts the door open. It's like there's, I just have to, I just have to use, like, I'm not going to wait outside. I have to do something. I love when he just shoves his hands in front of him, kind of like pushes things with his energy of magic. And he has to like run in and be, you know, the angel on Arthur's shoulder, his outside moral consciousness of like, don't kill him, please. Right. Arthur lets Elian get away. Now we know Arthur believes Merlin just there in that second. So I love that we cut to the Great Hall for no reason, but Jeremy said that it was available to film in and, and like, why not? Why not is always a good reason to do it. I love this because I think even maybe as a first time viewer, you picked up on the fact that Arthur was just letting Agravain talk and waiting for him to leave <laughs> to have the real conversation. Like there's a feeling of like, mm-hmm, yeah, yep, go do the thing you're going to do. Like go kill everybody. Bye. For sure. Go go look for this person. I love the shot of uh, Merlin and Gaius looking at each other as Agravain talks. Oh, we have to kill him. Like guys follows it up with the like I guess we'll have to kill him advice and I'm like what exactly well Arthur learns that like his dad killed all the druids and the only way to break this spell or this this possession 
is the attunement of the perpetrator, which we assume this is we're at the very end of the episode. We we at least I because I haven't seen the rest of the series. It's Uther. Even Merlin says, "Well, Uther is dead, so you know, we can't do that." And then guys like, "Well, then kill him." There's there's no hope. Well, it's it's fake history time with Gaius. It's a fake out. Yes. Arthur purposefully doesn't correct Merlin. So really, you're just on track with them because now they're finally talking to each other. Yeah. Let's take a moment to appreciate that finally Arthur's in on a plan behind Agravain's back. So he's finally now is king in the Scooby gang for real because like they're planning something. I'm just like, you're the king. You can just tell Agravain to sit down and shut up. Like you don't have to plan anything behind anyone's back. But I like it. Honestly. Finally, Merlin and Gaius are talking to Arthur and being like, you need to know this. You need to know and do something about it. But yeah, the, the whole thing of that is like Uther can't atone, so we might have to kill Elian. And then I think, I'm like, poor Gwen. Her dead was murdered. Her brother is being hunted down by her ex-future husband. And she was banished from Camelot. I mean, there's got to be an element of it for Arthur that's like, don't kill Gwen's brother. Things are already bad. Don't make it worse. Imagine your ex banishes you and then kills your brother. I'm like, what a sad life. Seriously. Yeah, I think I think also this is a driver for Arthur because he cares about Elian and he's like, well, if he has to die or I have to atone, then I'm, it's really what pushes him over the edge. He's already been thinking about it the whole episode unbeknownst to the first time viewer. It's really what seals his decision of like, okay, I got to just take my punishment. Right. I understand what guys what Gaius's function is for the writers. It's like he's setting up like it's either Elian or you, Arthur. Or you, yes. There's no other way to fix this. I do get it from a writing standpoint what we're doing here. At night, we get another one of these scenes of like, Arthur's trying to be civil. He's still in a mood, but he's like basically telling Merlin like, I want to be alone. Like in a nice way. He's just like, look, I'm going to turn in. You don't have to stay here. I'm good. Merlin's like, I'm going to go to bed too. He's like, no, 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 no. I love how he's getting punished for being knocked out in the forest all night. Like, that's mean. It's mean, but it does, again, what the writers are up to is that we have to make sure that Merlin's wandering the castle, not asleep. Right. So Merlin is cleaning in the armory, which is hilarious to me when you really think about how filming works. Like, he leaves the room, and then it's just the same set. He leaves the room, he comes back to the same room, and it's just all different. <laughs> yep. And Merlin's, like, going home after, and he sees Cloaky Arthur which is not a bad thing like Cloaky Morgana. That's always scary. No, it's not. I'm pretty sure Arthur's still disguised in the same cloak Merlin gave him. This is like when you have a best friend and you kind of raid each other's closets a lot, but then things that belong to them permanently end up in your closet. Yes. This is as close as they get to it because Merlin is not allowed to borrow his stuff. Arthur doesn't want any of Merlin's stuff, but he did hold on to this blue cloak that just keeps appearing through the series. <laughs> You really did. And we can recognize it every time. We're like, yep, same cloak. Okay. I love this bit because not to harp on about this comedic timing, but the way that Colin says when he's like, fancy meeting you here. And Arthur's like, what are you doing creeping out of the woods? And just the delivery of, I'm following you. What are you doing creeping out of the woods? I love it. I love it. If I had to pick like, I don't know how many, maybe like top 10 moments of this show that cracked me up this one just always gets me i laugh so hard and i don't know why <laughs> it's so good like the reversal and arthur like hey so good it's like excuse me i'm following you what are you doing 
I have an explanation for my behavior. I'm following you. Now you tell me where you're going in the middle of the night. I follow people every episode. It, You know, Jeremy and Tommy Wad did talk about this. Like Merlin has to follow someone every episode. It's written in the formula of the show. We noticed it's part of our bingo. Snoopy Merles is our name. We have a name for him doing this. And part of our bingo. Here he is following Arthur. This is when Arthur takes off the cloak and he's in chainmail. And I'm like, yes, you are going to face something. So this is appropriate chainmail. This makes sense that you got dressed in this way to leave the castle. Appropriate chainmail is appropriate. This is the moment. This is the moment where Arthur recognizes his own backslide into like, I'm alone. I have no friends. I have to do all this stuff alone. And he's just like looks at Merlin. He's like, you can go back to Camelot whenever you'd like. And I love that. I love that. He's like, I look at Bradley James in this scene, not only because there are moments in the season where I look at these actors and I'm like, oh, you're grown up now. You're an adult. <laughs> they're adults now because they're like babies when they start this show. They look like kids. And yeah, I look at him not just in the way that he looks, but the way Bradley delivers this, this whole exchange of like, you can leave. And Merlin's like, well, like, I'm not leaving. <laughs> I figured I would just tag along. Like, no, I want you to get lost. The way he just accepts it, I just see like the grown up Arthur all of a sudden, like really grown up. It's okay to let people in. Like, you don't always have to push them away. This is a very different conversation than every single conversation that he has had with Merlin in this episode, which was leave now. I'm ordering you to leave. This is, you have the option to leave. It's not that I really want you to, but that's up to you. And he chooses to stay, obviously. Yeah, I think it's, it's recognizing what you've been doing this whole episode, right? Like I've been pushing him away, but also he might be going to his death and that kind of snaps you out of it. I don't really want to be alone, actually. Yeah. Gwen's not here anymore, but that doesn't mean that Merlin can't be. He doesn't. I don't even. I don't. No. No, that's what I mean. Like, we're in the last five minutes of the show, and you still don't have the reveal of what's really happening, which is so unlike this show. It is. Most of the times we have an idea, like, about in the middle of the episode, you kind of know what it is. You know, they kind of have a plan on how to do things, on how to fix it. But yeah, we're at the very, very end of the episode and we don't know anything about it. No, it's crazy. It's really fascinating as an episode, as a writing exercise even. How long can we hold out the truth? They get to the shrine. Merlin is out loud narrating, why are we doing this at night? This is such a bad idea. <laughs> and you said there's very few daylight in the in this episode, and I was like, yep, Merlin mentions this at the end of the episode. I was like, maybe wait till it's daytime. Nope, nope, just going to do this in the dark. Great. It's funny because as I was saying that, I started thinking about this scene about how Merlin's like, we could just come back in the morning when you can see things and it's not as scary. <laughs> like, do we have to rush out right now and do this? And Arthur atones. He actually does confess directly to Merlin. And I feel like we've had so many moments of like, oh, just when you thought Uther can get worse. This was one of them that we had when we found out that he like drowned druid children. We were like, oh, come on. Some things are just unforgivable. And the writing is really good here in making Arthur guilty, but also enough explanation and caveats to make it so we can reconcile with this version of Arthur. Yes, because it's so hard. It's so hard when you know now that Arthur was part actively part of what happened to these people, actively part of the terror that his father 
put into people with magic and the druids more specifically. But we they also write it in a way that we do feel for him and we do recognize that sense of being trapped, of wanting to make somebody else proud, of not really wanting to do something and doing it anyways. Yeah. Or being half away into doing something and then not knowing how to just backtrack and say like stop like I don't want to do this anymore it's really hard and it's really human and I think that they do a great job Bradley James in this scene just knocks it out of the park when he gets an emotional scene which is rare for him it's amazing I mean Merlin comments on it at the end of this episode that it's nice to see his emotional side and I'm like yes it really is it is. It's really beautiful. I just love the way Bradley did the whole speech. Even the way he played the the fear when he thinks that possessed Elian is about to kill him. He plays that terror of like flinching and being like, oh God. Right, right. What's going to happen now? Being Arthur, he's just like compartmentalized it right at the back of his head. <laughs> but it's haunted him forever. And to find it's almost like Arthur is able to move on from it too. Yes, and he promises that the Druid people will be treated with respect. And that's nice. Sure. We'll see, because last time he met up with the Druids, he put a knife to a kid's throat. So, like, his track record since Uther died, not perfect either. I'm like, all right. I mean, I will say I never believed Arthur or the character would have hurt the child. It was just, like, an empty threat. Yes. But then, at the... At the very, like, last two minutes of the show, I'm like, oh, this is the purpose of this episode. <laughs> I get it now. This is a long way to come for this scene. I don't think it's bad. I just think it's fascinating that you you don't know that this is where it's going the whole time. really don't. They're going to figure out how to save Elian, and that's the end of the episode. But it has nothing to do with that at all. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. And you don't really expect I mean, I didn't. It's so quiet throughout the whole episode, but it's an Arthur episode. It's all about Arthur. It's because he's not really that loud about his scenes. That It's just like one scene after the other where he's being quiet, being quiet. And also, kudos to Bradley because he played that so well. Just like this grumpy, pensive version of him where he's just like stuck in this thought that he can't let go of. Yes. And saying a lot without saying a lot. Yeah. He did. It's such a great, great episode for him. It must be nice because like, you know, he also got the sword fighting. He got a couple fights in this. He did get a couple fights in this scene, in this episode. So there was also that. You got to do it all. The comedy, the stew and the hair. It's a very Bradley James episode as well. Not just Arthur, but like he got to do all of it. And it's great. I think because like, yeah, he he loves he probably loves doing that stuff. But it's nice to get the emotional stuff, too, because. You want to do something different? Definitely. Definitely. But of course, in the morning, uh, I'm going to call him like brusque. What we get in the morning is post-openness defensive mode of like, I don't want to talk about what you saw last night. I don't want to talk about the fact that I cried in front of you. <laughs> Please pretend that didn't happen. You've never seen it and we're never going to talk about it. Thank you very much. I love that Merlin can't shut up, though, because he's so proud of him. He's like, I've never seen you cry like that. Tears running down your cheeks. And I was like, shh, leave him alone. And I just love the, oh, I really thought you changed. Just being so sassy. 
He's being so sassy to the point where, of course, like as Arthur's walking away, he's like, no chance of a hug. And Arthur runs back. And I love that it's off camera, this off camera, like, ow. (laughs) Like, yep. Instant classic. Yes. Yes. And this is also getting us back into the best friends energy in a fun way. It's nice to end because it was such a heavy, dark episode to end on a lighter note like this with the two of them talking in Arthur's room. That was nice. You know, you couldn't have a funny episode after Gwen gets banished, I don't think. I don't think that works. No, I agree. Because it wouldn't feel genuine to have Arthur, like, having a good time. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. Next week on Merlin. Speaking of Gwen, she's back! And Arthur's got a date with Mythian, so... I know. There's, like, another princess is in Morgana attacks Camelot again and Gwen is back I'm like Gwen looks really nice with a purple dress I'm like where was that dress you've never what why did you wear those weird clothes never wore this dress it's it's a very sexy dress because you haven't really like you've seen snippets of her running around a forest like right right you will in the episode get to see it like very I'm interested I'm interested it's a lot New princess. Arthur's dating again. Gwen's back. It's too much. This is the beginning of the end, right? It's the beginning of something. And it's it's definitely, I'll give you this to look forward to. There's a moment that feels very fantasy Disney to me. We'll see if I can recognize it. Yes. Yeah, let's be real. It's, it's the last episode before... Before the end. The two-part season finale. I don't know... I don't know and I I can't guess. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, I am not able to guess. I know uh, one thing that I was going to say today because today I was, when I was preparing for this episode, I was watching and I'm like, oh, I missed a dragon. Can he come back? Notebook check. Notebook check. And it's funny because people can't see my notebook. It's a list of my names for the episode. Oh, you're right. It's been a while. It's been a long time. I missed the dragon and I would hope that he would come back soon. I'm not going to give you any hope for Kilgara coming back anytime soon. Oh, that's sad. That makes me sad. Now, Gwen is gone. Kilgara is gone. My two favorite characters. Like, what do I do? At least Gwen is coming back the next episode and it makes me happy. I mean, gone. Gwen is banished from Camelot. Like, I don't know if she's gone. For the last two episodes... No, she's just been gone this episode. Last episode was the banishing. You went one episode without Gwen. Oh my God. It it feels so long. But now I remember the last week I was like, oh, this is not going to get resolved in the next episode. And this is that episode. So it gets resolved in the next, next episode. I'm not sure about resolved. I'm not going to give you. Okay. No false hope. Uh, Don't look for this to get resolved in the next episode. Look for things to get at least started in the next episode. Like I said, the beginning of the end. If you're going to banish one of your main characters and have your main couple break up, or main couple, the only couple break up, unless you count Agravain and (laughs) Morgana, uh, you probably shouldn't just go ahead and, uh, you probably shouldn't just go ahead and resolve it in like one episode. Yeah, that's true. But epic things are coming in the finale of the season. Things that you will 100% be excited about. I love it. I am excited. Make sure you don't look at titles because they're super spoilery. Okay. (laughs) And with that, thank you for listening. See you next week.